Hello world, this is Nurse Bree. I am so excited because this is my very first time using podcasts and I am naturally a talker and I really want to get into this thing. So, quick fun facts. I am a nurse. Um, I've been a nurse for about a year and um, this podcast isn't just for like health issues. This is more so a general thing that I am starting where I want to, you know, reveal some things about what I feel like are important to the world, to um, people who may be experiencing same things that I've experienced. Um, and I just want to just talk. I just want to let it out. This this is something that I may find therapeutic for myself and maybe for others. Um, so my first topic is going to be about your emotional health. And I think a lot of people really, 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 really underplay emotional health. I feel like we are born to be vulnerable, but once we start living, it's almost forbidden to express how you feel or feel what you feel. And I didn't get that for a long time. And I am a black girl, if you hadn't already assume and being a black woman is very hard sometimes because you're expected to be tough you know and some other people would say the same from different races and backgrounds but for me I'm only speaking for what I know and what I live and as a black woman it is sometimes tough being tough you're expected to wipe your eyes you're expected to hold your head up you're expected to fix it and keep it moving. Even as a nurse, you have you have to be tough. You have to be tough for people you don't know, people you know, pe- yourself. Um, and a lot of times you find yourself numbing the pain and you find yourself overlooking the real problem. And one day it may hit you that, hey, like I have an issue and it didn't just start today. This issue was actually planted when I was a child. Maybe it was an event that you don't like to talk about or don't like to um, think about. Maybe it's something that you hadn't quite addressed appropriately. And you are now dealing with the linger of your old demons. So I really encourage all of you whoever is listening to really address your your hurt but it's a time and a place for everything i'll give you an example relationships is a trigger for most people sometimes you know you may think of a relationship as a a beautiful thing a, a thing that's needed something that you want because you see others have it but you don't you don't understand how to cope with the 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 stress of a relationship or the unexpected events in a relationship. And I remember when I was younger, I was in a relationship and I thought that I knew everything that was going to happen within that relationship. I was happy. I was on cloud nine. But that was a scenario where I was with him for what I felt like. I could have built, I could see like a future, I could I could see long-term and 
He was with me physically, but he wasn't with me emotionally. And um, eventually the relationship failed. And that was traumatic because I didn't expect that relationship to fail. And I had to pick up the pieces. And I thought I was fine because, you know, after you have your mourning, you're like, oh, I'm good. I'm all right. I'm I'm strong. I got this. I'm I'm back and I'm better, right? Um but eventually it would weigh on me sporadically, not all the time, and I'm like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" But I realized that it was a a hurt that I really didn't appropriately deal with and it affected me and I started acting out because of that. So what helped me was I, for one, you know, I'm, I'm a Christian, so I had to pray about it and I had to be honest. Being open and honest about your feelings really, it will really take you a long way. I, even if you have the journal, talk it out, seek therapy if you need to. It's okay. But I also had to forgive myself other than just laying it out there. I had to forgive myself. I had to forgive myself for settling for something that I didn't have to settle for. And it's okay to walk away from situations that are not destined for you, especially for your purpose. And it's a very hard thing to do. When you invest so much time in something or someone, you feel more obligated to stay just because it's time. But what people don't realize about time is that you don't get it back. And that doesn't mean you should waste more of it. You should be proactive about it. Um, so deal with your emotional health. I think it's the first thing you need to do is be aware. What exactly is holding you back from reaching your goals? Let that question sizzle in your spirit. (laughs) That's something country Wayne would say. He's a comedian. For those of you who don't know, let that sizzle in your spirit. What exactly is holding you back from being great? Sometimes when you have a goal, you just want validation from people. Hey, girl, I was thinking about doing such and such, but I don't know what you think. We go through this phase of getting our ideas approved by people who won't even put in the work to reach the goal. We go through this phase of daydreaming because we saw someone else do it. And now we are inspired because we always wanted to do it, but it didn't become Real until someone else made it possible or made it happen. So I want to challenge you to think about your drive and why you have that drive. And challenge yourself on what's taking so long to get there. Now, I'm not saying overreact or be so caught up in the time that you lose focus on the work. Every goal you set requires a different amount of momentum, requires a different amount of uh, creativity, requires a different strategy, but the work is still required. And I am over a lot of people who just set out to be great and, and they're too lazy to make a step one. I really hate that because I'm not perfect, okay? I had... A lot of goals that I haven't reached yet. Some goals because I couldn't reach yet due to time, due to lack of qualifications, and ultimately due to my laziness. 
for a long time, I said that I was going to create a podcast. I didn't do it. Why? Because I had every excuse not to. I don't have enough time. I don't know what to talk about. I don't know if anybody's going to listen. I don't know what equipment I may need to invest in. I don't know. It was so many I don't knows. Till finally, someone sent me a link to this app and said, Brie, just save them. I'm like, ooh, that hurt, right? Because I'm the one who is normally encouraging someone to reach their goal, you know, follow your heart, all of this. But when it came to me looking in the mirror and saying, girl, <laughs> you need to get on it. It was hard. Okay. And it's it's really difficult living in today's society with having so much access to social media and living through people on social media. You're, you're constantly strolling and you're seeing people travel and relationships and jobs and you're thinking, oh my God, they are so lucky. They are so blessed. They are living it up. But you don't know it's a it's a price to pay. It's a sacrifice that you make when you level up. It does not happen overnight. It does not happen over a dream. And it don't happen over your heart just wanting to be in it. You got to put your mind and your body and everything that it takes to be in that thing. So I I want people to change the the idea that this is a microwavable blessing or a process that just takes a few seconds or a few minutes or a few people to like it. No, it takes you being your only cheerleader sometimes when no one else is in the arena but you. So it doesn't matter. Like, for example, uh, people who start business, a black business, and they're like, oh, my God, I just need people to follow me and I need people to like and share. Yeah, I get it. That's true. I'm not a business owner. However, I know plenty of people who rock their own brand so much until a foreign person would be like, oh, I do know. I, I do know that person. I, I don't re- recall exactly where I heard that name before. It wasn't necessarily because of the supporters. Yes, it was help, but it was because that person who originally came up with that idea, that brand, that business, they rocked that own, their own brand. They rolled with it when the wheels were hot and when the wheels were off okay so it's it's so many barriers to being successful but it's a lot of just laziness that's causing you to be unproductive yes it's gonna require support but you have to be your biggest supporter when there's some and when there's none so it's a lot to ingest i know Start out by writing it down. Make the vision plain. Write what you want. Write down what you want. I am a Christian and I believe in the word of God. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. And in the Bible, it says, write the vision and make it plain. And it's plenty of things that I have written personally in my life. And I am living proof of it now. So I really believe in that. I believe in that you are the you know author of your book. And if you are willing and if you're claiming whatever you want it's going to manifest but you have to put in the work you have to put in the time and write it down write it down also to hold yourself accountable for what you want write it down write it down not only should you just write it down but be aware of how long will you do this how long will you 
you know, break the goal down? What's the time frame? Is it a time frame? So that you could be accountable on doing the necessary uh, things to in order for that goal to be fulfilled. Another thing that I would do is write down a reminder on why you started that goal in the first place. Because sometimes even when you have the opportunity, you don't take full advantage of it. And that's that's a that's another uh, thing that I've noticed about some people that I, I personally know. It's like they get so close to their opportunity. They, they're like right there. The door just like literally open and they won't step one foot in because they feel like a part of them don't even deserve it. Or a part of them feels like if I do take this opportunity, I may lose it. I may fail. The fear of the unknown starts to settle in and it starts to metastasize their whole mind. And and they come up with this ideology that they never should have done it in the first place. But no, 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 no. That's why you go back to what you've written. That's why you go back to why you did it. And that's why you go forward. Mm-hmm. It's been it's been opportunities that you may even think about right now, like, dang, I remember I had that thing or I had that person or I had whatever. And you didn't quite take it serious because you felt too afraid to know what it would be like to have it, to maintain it. That's another thing. Maintaining something great can be just as challenging as chasing it or trying to achieve it. Yes, I wanted to do this or whatever, whatever I want to become. And now that I am where I imagine my life to be, you know, I am hesitating and I am dropping the ball on what I thought that I wanted because I'm too afraid of messing up. I'm too afraid of failing. But people don't realize that you fail because you didn't try. You didn't fail because you tried. You know what I'm saying? You failed because you still don't know what it's like. You didn't fail because you knew what it was like. You tried it and then you didn't succeed. That That's part of the development process of your character. That's part of the, the pruning process to make grapes wine. It's It crushes sometimes. It's hard. But when you when you're getting through that process, that phase, you're so much better. So I want to encourage you to take a moment, write down your vision, write down your why, and you make sure you become your biggest supporter. You make sure you become your biggest cheerleader. So if you don't get a share, if you don't get a like, I want you to ride it. Okay, ride that brand, ride it out. I don't care who, because at the end of the day on Instagram, they have this thing where you have likes. And they have this thing where you also have views. So you may have only 30 likes, but guess what? You might have like a thousand views. Somebody's watching you. And you know what people are going to say? They're going to I remember she started. Oh, I remember he started with that. But I didn't. he must have gave up. Okay? You, you, you can't worry about who's not supporting you. You need to focus on you supporting you. And the right people will support you. And when your name come up on on a show, they're going to be like, oh, I remember when you... I still have people to this day tell me. The people who didn't like my stuff, the people who probably didn't share it, uh, my posts about how I, um, you know, was determined to be a, become a nurse. I have people to this day that tell me, oh, girl, like, 
Yes, I remember when you were in school and how you was determined to get it. You came so far. And I'm looking like, really? How did you know that? I don't remember you being any of my supporters. How did you know that I was trying so I didn't realize that people were really looking. I just, you know, and I wasn't trying to do anything for the public eye. I was really just being myself and just saying that, hey, I'm determined and I'm going to do it. And I have people remind me of that. On days that I forgot about, I'm like, oh, yeah, you were looking. You might have not liked the post. You might not have shared the post. You might not even had told me, you know, tell me anything that was worth listening to or any encouraging words. You might have not even prayed for me, but you were looking. So it's important to understand that you are your biggest supporter. And if I hadn't been my biggest supporter, I wouldn't have made it to where I am now. And I just want people to to define support a little different. Support is important, but support is not as important as your own support for yourself. Yes, support is needed, but it doesn't matter because if you don't believe in you, nobody else will. (laughs) I can come up with a brand of a cup and this cup is supposed to be the best cup in the world. But if I don't believe it, nobody else will. I might not have anybody share. They might already be used to whatever brand they're, they're used to. Whether it's plastic or whether it's glass. But if I believe in my cup, I share my cup. I post my cup so much until you know my name is Cup. That's the cup, girl. Whatever it is that you associate my name with. You're going to know that it's the brand that I'm supporting. That I'm constantly feeding social media, everybody around me. You got to wear that thing until everybody knows it even when they don't want it. And the right people eventually will launch on. They'll get on board. And the wrong people will stay off that train and watch you truck it on. Okay? (laughs) So, remember your whys. Remember your whys and remember that you wrote down a commitment to yourself. Remember that you started this because you wanted it. So, if you don't finish it, you will never know what it's like to be on the other side. I hope this helps someone. I want to challenge people on how to love yourself. I always see a hashtag, self-love, love yourself. Self-love is the best love. But how exactly do you love yourself? And sometimes a lot of people, especially women, we tend to fall into the uh, love yourself thing once we are single once we experience a heartbreak once we uh you know feel like it's time to kind of like focus on myself because I lost myself when I was supporting everyone else except for me and sometimes people define self-love as a way to flaunt or a way to stunt on you or stunt on your ex rather you know And when you stunt on people or purposely try to say, look at me, look at me, look at me. I'm loving myself. That's not self-love. That is not self-love. That is a a thirst, um, a thirst sign that I need attention and I need a reminder. I need validation that I still got it. And I'm that bitch. (laughs) Um, And I had to realize that a long time ago. I used to think like, oh, yes, girl, you're living your best life. I used to look on social media and I would think, oh, 
wow, yes, self-love. She's in the gym. She's drinking her water. She's minding her business. You know, all of those. But deep down inside, it's people who are hurt that are hurting others. And people who was hurt, who was confident, but really they want some attention. And attention can be a drug too. Attention can be something that you crave and something that could be quite addicting. Because if you're so caught up on self-love, then why are you spending so much time making sure that social media is tracking your every move? That's not self-love. When your screen time exceeds a certain amount of hours, that's not self-love. That's not. That's toxic. You're toxic. And the reason why you're toxic is because if you are, I mean, I get it. Let me let me take it back some. Some people who are on social media, you just may be bored. Some people may just, it may be a business that they're promoting. It may just be, they want to be on social media. But it's just the, the intention and the impact. Okay? The intention is different from the impact. When you're saying, I am experiencing self-love or I am practicing self-love and you are intending to send a message, but it's the impact is you want likes and you want that to make you feel some type of way when you realize a certain person may like that picture or view that story, then it it, it contradicts self-love. It means that, aka, I need love. In my opinion, I'm, I could be wrong. It could be someone right now listening to this saying, man, that girl is tripping. Like, self, I do that all the time. I've posted pictures all the time and I wasn't thinking about anybody. Well, if that's the case, do you ever look at your likes? Do you ever click on the amount of likes and stroll to see who, which one is it? And do you even pay attention on the, the rates on who like what? Because that's not self-love. You can love, I mean, it's nothing wrong with seeing who your fans are every now and then, but when you're doing it with the uh, motive, of, motive of getting a lot of likes, it's just more of an attention thing. And everybody needs attention. Everybody needs attention, but it's a certain level of attention that becomes more of a, a, a an addiction. We all crave attention. As a child, as a baby, you needed a certain amount of attention for development. But sometimes I think it's toxic because we're keeping up with approvals and not really doing self-love. Self-love can be defined as handling your business. If you're so busy on social media and you are taking a great picture, putting on a great outfit just for the likes, just for the gram, just for the views, and you feel like shit when you go home, and you hadn't resolved all of your issues and your mental health isn't stable. That's not self-love. That's portraying a picture that you for a life that you really don't live. That's what I'm saying. If you're really miserable, if you're really lonely, like I, I don't understand. Like, if I'm in this relationship, right? And I publicly I was publicly seen with this relationship. Everybody knows about this relationship. And we break up, and now I'm like, oh, self-love. Feel like that's just a cry for I still got it even though I'm single you know what I mean like even like I I question that because I want to know have you are you over that just that fast you just post a picture a few days ago with you with him being the love of your life isn't that traumatic are you really ready to be mingling 
Like, how are you able to heal from your broken heart? You have memories with someone that you can't ever forget. <laughs> you go to a certain place. You eat a certain food. You, go, you don't think about that person. You, you lay in your bed a certain way. That person is going to come up. How are you already ready to be out there? That's not self-love. I think the definition of that for for that caption in the scenario that I just, you know, mentioned is I am hurting and I need support. But that wouldn't sound right because it's 2020. Nobody's saying I am hurting right now. I need help. But I just think people should really be intentional about self-love. You know how the post I'm single. We know <laughs> or we can figure it out. I don't know. I'm just not really a big fan of posting everything that happens. Oh, I'm single now. Self-love. You should have loved yourself before the relationship. And during the relationship. It shouldn't be this thing that you, you rock now because you have nobody in your pictures anymore. That's all I'm saying. It should be something that you practice daily. So that you love yourself so much for the next person to have a standard on how to love you that times 10. Okay? So, I, I hate that, that, uh, that trend that's going on. It's like, oh, self-love. Self-love isn't just me buying new shit. Self-love isn't just me looking nice. Self-love may just be because I know how to take care of myself emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. That's real self-love. That it, it's, it's more of a lifestyle, not a habit. Not a new thing, not a new me. It's just who I am. And people confuse self-love with trips and vacations and vacations. I mean, really, it's just a damn event. That's not self-love. If you're dealing with demons that you don't even address. Like, what? I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. If you're struggling with demons that you don't address. Demons meaning things of your past. Things that, you, you know, you're now dealing with in the now, whatever. If you're, if you're struggling with something and you refuse to address it or handle it or whatever, diffuse it, whatever you have to do to manage that thing. If it's not being managed and you're saying self-love, you're not taking care of yourself. You're just posting a picture. Building from faith and building from fear are two different things and it's a thin line between the both of them. Once you build out of faith, it's so much stronger. Your foundation is so much stronger and it's more effective. But it's a thin line when you build from fear because the foundation may appear strong, but it's really weak. Um, In the Bible, my favorite parable is when Peter walks on water, because it is a reflection of faith and fear all in the same setting. I'm a Christian, so I use biblical terms sometimes or stories to kind of relate to real life. Basically, um, the disciples are on a, on a boat in the middle of the ocean and Jesus is out in the sea. It's dark. Usually Jesus are, um, is with his disciples, but this time in this particular scenario, he's not. So 
Peter is one of the brave disciples that takes on challenges. And he's like, oh, who is it? A ghost? And Jesus is like, no, it's me. It's Jesus, your Lord and Savior. And he's like, no, no, you're not Jesus. You know, initially the story it started from fear because he's like, who is that? It's dark. Who's on the water? He's scared. He's He has fear. But then the story gets interesting because Jesus said, okay, if you don't believe this is me, then you step out and you walk on water too. And he's like, okay, I got you. I'm coming. I'm on my way. So his momentum is building because he is challenged. And um, what blows me about the story is you've been hanging around this man long enough to know his voice and know that it is really him. So that, although you're saying, if it is you, I'm going to walk on the water too. But it's a, a certain amount of faith that Peter had to have to first do it. Because if he really didn't think it was Jesus, he wouldn't have done it. He would have said, no, I'm just going to call Jesus up and cast you away. Okay, I'm not getting out of this boat to prove anything. But he steps out on out of the boat onto the water. So that itself was faith, which created a solid foundation for him to even do it. That was faith. Stepping out of the boat from your safety could mean you stepping out from your comfort zone right now. Your The boat is a representation of where you are now. You're in a boat. You're in a, a situation that you're familiar with. It might not be where you want to end up in, but it is where you are comfortable in. You know exactly how that boat runs. You know exactly how sturdy it is, how reliable it is, but it's not exactly where you want to be because you want to take a leap of faith. But the first step with faith is you have to get out of the boat. You have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to get out of what you know and go for what you want. So that was faith. And as Peter is walking in the story, he's walking on water and he's doing just fine. But then again, he thought he saw the wind. And he developed fear. You see the fine line? He's Both faith and fear are activated at the same time, but fear overtakes faith. And he's distracted by his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right in front of him. And he looks away. And he realized that, whoa, I'm outside of my comfort zone. I'm not in the boat. I'm not in the mentality that I'm in. I'm not in the situation that I'm in. I'm, in, I'm on the water. I'm not in the boat. So fear overtakes him and then he begins to sink. So understanding the difference between faith and fear is is powerful. They're both powerful. Faith was a powerful enough for him to, for Peter to get out of the boat, to step on the water. And fear is even powerful for him to look away, get distracted and sink. See, the, the difference between your faith and your fear is because when you step out on faith, you don't care what people think. You don't care what, what it may take for you to get to your goal. You don't care about how much you have to sacrifice. You just do it. You don't care about how much sleep you lost. You don't care how many friends you lost. You don't care how much money you lost. It's, it's a step. It's a commitment. It's a, I'm hoping for the things that I can't see because my faith is, is, what hold, is what's holding me sturdy. But when your fear comes in, you withdraw from the plan. You withdraw from your commitment. You withdraw from your um, your plan of action. You hesitate. 
You worry about the supporters. You worry about the money. You worry about the plan. You worry about the time. You worry about the what ifs. You worry about the unknown. You worry about failure and you begin to sink like Peter in the water. And the beautiful thing about the story is even though our faith may fail us, Jesus will always rescue you out of it. It's a time in your life that you may be able to reflect on when it was a moment where you had faith, where you had that momentum and you were fired up to do what you needed to do. And it was that moment where you stopped and you thought to yourself, what am I kidding? Like, I can't do this. Nobody's going to like this. It's not it's not going to happen. I can't do this. This is impossible. And somehow or another. God came through and rescued you and you're like, what? Even when you doubted yourself, even when you doubted God's potential to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think, he still somehow made a way. And even in the story, it doesn't end with him sinking. It ends with Jesus rescuing him because he said, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. And, and Jesus got him up and he was like, oh, ye of little faith. Like you were walking on water. Peter, you was doing just fine. And literally you were walking with me and you got distracted by a little fear of a wind or a little fear of, I don't have enough money. I don't have enough support or whatever the fear is. And you sunk just that fast. Had you had the faith, you would have had a stronger foundation. Had you had the faith, you would have still been walking. But God's grace is just so good. And and it renews daily that even when we don't trust him, his, his grace is sufficient enough to rescue us so that we won't f- fail. And d- depending on how you define failure, just because you sink doesn't mean you fail. You fail when you decide not to walk out on the boat. So don't build from fear. Fear, fear is temporary. When, you, when you're building from fear, you always like, oh, I don't know how this going to work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And you just still doing stuff because you don't know. No, you have to make a decision as an adult. You have to make a decision on what you're going to do and stick to it. Every day is not going to look the same. Every day is not going to be guaranteed a, a thing that you that makes you happy about the decision that you made. However, you got to have that faith somewhere in that equation that creates a sturdy strong, reliable foundation. My foundation is God. That's my go-to. It might not be yours. This parable may not even be relatable in any way in your life, but I guarantee you when you decide to have faith over fear, it'll make a big difference. Choose faith every time. I remember when I was in nursing school, people would always ask me, why did you choose this career? And I had so many reasons. And honestly, I am so proud of this accomplishment. It means the world to me. I remember when I was a little girl, I was diagnosed with asthma and I was in and out of the hospital. I hated nurses because they gave me shots and you know, the fear, the pain, the misunderstanding of why I was in the hospital. Um, made me a little interested in becoming a nurse as I 
got older and when I outgrew asthma, thank you, Jesus, um, I decided that I wanted to check it out. You know, I wanted to see what it was all about. But it really touched home with me when I was a freshman in college when I lost my brother, my oldest brother. He died of an aneurysm, and um, I remember the confusion. I remember the, you know, the panic in all of our hearts. We didn't understand what was going on. We didn't understand the medical terms. We didn't understand how such a thing could happen to such a young man. He was only 40. And that is a memorable experience that I will forever hold in my heart. And I have so much more compassion when I'm at the bedside with family members who are what you may consider hysterical or dramatic or, you know, um, just a handful. I'm willing to deal with those people because I know how they feel. And um, I'm inspired every day, you know, to learn more and to um, change the healthcare world. I am in inspired because it breaks my heart when I see a Facebook post about someone losing their loved one and they don't understand why. Let that sink in for a moment. Do you know someone right now who may have experienced a loss and the death is unknown or the cause is still sketchy and I think it it should affect you. You know, like, how do you not know CPR? How do you not know signs and symptoms of a heart attack? The basics, right? That means that it's been a miscommunication to our community on how to take preventative actions for those types of deaths. And I'm not saying that I have the cure to anything. And I'm not saying that I know everything. But when it comes to heart attacks and strokes and you know different things that may be common I feel like we as healthcare professionals should be more proactive in getting that information out there to the community so we could have more you know survivors of heart attacks I understand that you know we have an increase in number of survivors because of technology and you know public health information but I still want to do more Especially in the black community, I want to do more. I remember reading this post on Facebook, and it's this girl from my um, old community. She was saying that if only she knew CPR, her mom would be alive. I'm not, you know, anybody's God. So I didn't give you life, and I'm not going to take it away. But I do believe that God gives us dominion over certain things on earth. And it's just in my heart. You know, you may have experienced death in your family or your your close friends. And, you know, it still may be something that you you have hanging over your head. But I would love to do more with my community. I would love to do more with educating people on how to properly handle diseases. A lot of people in the black community, especially, are afraid of taking medicine because they don't understand the medicine. They understand that it's poison and it has side effects but they don't really have a a deep understanding of what they should do other than taking a pill routinely and that hurts a lot of black people they are 
diagnosed late with with different diseases. For example, the average black man may go to the dentist, get his blood pressure taken, and, and, and then realize that his blood pressure is extremely high. And a lot of people assume that if I go to an annual appointment due to my job, making it mandatory, I'm all right. But what if you have things going on in your family? What if you have a, a family history of hypertension, a.k.a. blood pressure, or diabetes, or cancer, or lupus, or thyroid issues, or kidney problems, and you do not have a primary provider? Which means you're, you're spontaneously getting things checked according to when you can. And most people who have the best insurance have the worst health. That's the problem. And as a nurse, I hate that. That is one of my biggest pet peeves. When people have the best insurance and don't have the best health. Some things are inevitable. You know, some things are inevitable. Some diseases you're naturally born with. But I do believe that there is a maintenance level that people overlook until it's too late. I hate that until it's too late. When I'm reading the charts, when I'm taking care of a patient and I read the history back years back when it came to the emergency department for signs and symptoms of this and that, and then they, you know, overlooked it and then they're now in a worse state because they didn't take their health seriously or nobody took the time out to educate them to break down what is going on and what they can do i mean it's it's a lot of things that you can do stress control you know that's the number one killer a lot of people don't want to talk about stress and that's for any ethnic group you know stress control uh cessation of smoking Cessation of drinking and lifestyle changes, exercising, getting up to move your body. Those are things that people overlook because they don't know any better. And most people are only going to rely on information coming from someone that that um, experienced the same thing. So I really want to fix that. I don't really know how. I have so many ideas. Starting with this podcast is a lot because I'm really speaking from the heart. To be honest with you, I don't have any sound effects. I don't edit my videos. I just think about an issue and I just press play and I I speak from my heart. (laughs) Sometimes I do edit the videos by, you know, I start, I stutter and then I delete it and start again. But this is really an issue for me. And I really want to take the time out to educate more people on how to be proactive about their health. How to be accountable. The number one thing I would say is get a primary doctor that you can rely on. Get a baseline, meaning go to a doctor who is your doctor, not a health department, health wellness checkup. I mean, your doctor that you know that knows your stuff, your genetic history. If your mama had it, they know it. If your grandma and them had it, they know it. I did say grandma and them. <laughs> so, um, Start with that. Start with a primary doctor to develop a trust relationship with that doctor and that nurse. Then you write down what you can change and what you can't. And we all have a list. We all have that list of things that we can change. Okay, you have a diagnosis. What can you change outside of that? 
based on your understanding? Can you walk more? Can you exercise more? Can you drink more water? Can you eliminate greasy fast food? Can you eliminate salt? Can you eliminate sugar? It's all a process, but it's all possible. So do you understand your diagnosis? That's another question. Do you really understand what you have? Do you understand that if you abruptly stop taking your medicine that you can die? Most people on high blood pressure medicine, they take it when they have symptoms and they end up increasing their chance for a stroke or aneurysm or sudden death, <laughs> any cardiac uh, arrest, all of that is, is going to be, it's going to heighten their, their chances of, of dying because they, they're programming their body to be inconsistent um, or non-compliant with, with the regimen that, that was set for them in the first place. If you don't like the medicine you're taking, it's not up to you to stop taking it. It's up to you to go to your doctor, get checked again, and talk about the issues and see if those issues are normal or not normal, and then go from there. Medicine is just trial and error, but it, it's designed to help you. The other thing I would do is write down all the medications that you are taking in the event that people go to the emergency department. And when that nurse is asking what medicines are you on and you cannot spit that information out just like that or the person who is taking care of you uh, with you and they can't tell the, the nurse that information. That is vital. That is vital. I used to hate that when I would be like, are you on this pill? Oh, I'm on some type of water pill. What? No, get in the habit of understanding the name of that pill and the amount and tell and tell the nurse and be honest. How often do you take it? How often do you take your blood pressure medicine? What time do you take it consistently? Do you not take it consistently? It's all important information that's going to help you. So I hate that. I hate that concept of people doing what they want to do because they know somebody who died in the emergency room and they just, you know, reproducing the ignorance of not knowing how to save your life. The other thing that I would do is make a goal for yourself. And that is to simply get better, whether that's be more aware of your health, of your health issues, of your medications of your appointments, of your follow-up appointments, of your water intake, whatever it is, be more accountable. If you have to lose weight, you got to lose weight. If you have to change the way you eat, you got to change. It's a commitment to be great for you because you only have one life. You have one body and that's it. But a lot of people don't take that serious because of a variety of issues and a lot of it comes from being ignorant of how to get better and they think that they know because they know someone who had that experience and it may have been a, a similar experience but everybody is different even if you have to change doctors even if you have to talk to someone who can talk on your level of understanding don't be afraid of asking us questions us meaning nurses doctors whoever ask your questions if you can't remember your questions write your questions down and go from there. Those are my thoughts on that. I want to start a movement that, that will educate everybody on how to be more proactive with your health. It's sad when you have to bury someone and you don't even know why. It wasn't because of a 
uh, accidental thing or, you know, any violence. It was just because they didn't take advantage of their health. That's sad. You know, because the only thing you can live with is knowing that if they knew better, they would probably still be here. I really hope who's ever listening to this podcast feel the passion that I'm having right now. And hopefully I can start a change. Thank you. So I want to discuss how is it living single or how do you manage being single in 2020? Being single in 2020 is challenging for me because we live through social media. And with that being said, you have so much access to uh, videos and pictures of other people who appear to be happy and you know you go through your holiday seasons of dang I ain't even got nobody to exchange gifts with other than my family but I manage it better than I've ever managed it before I've been single for quite some time a long time uh over a year actually and um I embrace it because this is the opportunity um that I have to focus on myself. How do I focus on myself? I pay attention to everything, not just my routine of, you know, waking up, going to work, paying bills, but more so my strengths and weaknesses, which is really hard for me because I am my worst critic. But this gives me an opportunity to prepare myself for the things that I want in the future. Sometimes I... um. I even make a list of the things that I always wanted to do and things that I maybe need to do better because I used to have the misconception that if I am a half and I meet my other half, I will be complete. But it's actually better when you are already complete and ready for your significant other. Um, a lot of people are in relationships because they fear of being alone they fear of um, not feeling good enough and they need the validation and the companionship to occupy their mind from going into that space of thinking, wow, why am I alone and this is uncomfortable? It's not really for everybody. Everybody can't really handle being alone for a long period of time without doing dating apps or you know, going back recycling old holes or... <laughs> Going back to things that you know you said you wouldn't go back to for the sake of time. But one thing about time is that you don't ever get it back. Ever. (laughs) And um, that was the hardest thing. I'm like, well, I know, you know, I am a good candidate to be in a relationship. I'm the ideal full package. You know what I'm saying? But when you have to look in the mirror and really ask yourself, why am I single? You know? Because you get the question a lot, especially if you're attractive or if people around you admire you for what you do or how you service them. And that question of why are you single, it penetrates hard, a lot harder than people imagine. Because you play it off by saying, oh, I'm not, you know, worrying about it or, oh, it'll come. But in your mind, you're thinking, hell, I'm thinking the same thing. Why am I single? At least that's my thoughts, y'all. 
I used to wonder why, you know, I used to wonder why would it go from um, the guy that you may think that you are in love with or destined to be with? Why would it go from him telling you, you know what, you're different and, you know, I can see you as a wife or I can see you as, you know, something long term. You're definitely different. You're definitely this. You're definitely a game. Everything is a, 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 but it's not good enough to make him budge. It's not good enough to make him commit to you. It's not good enough to make him, you know, make you feel like everything he said was actually true. So when I realized that I was relying on that, I made myself um, a promise that I would be the one reaffirming my own self so that I won't get excited by, by any lies or any illusions that someone else may say. They might say, hey, you... You are a wonderful person. But if I don't feel it first, it means nothing. It wavers just like that person. Um, And that's hard seeing yourself individually when you're occupying your time with someone else. You don't really see who you are or you lose yourself with someone else. And I really don't want to go down that path anymore because I want to be able to stand firmly on who Brie is. I don't want to get lost in the sauce with someone because they're making me feel good or because, you know, they are covering the insecurities that I hadn't addressed. You know, you're already insecure because you don't know why it didn't work out. So you find someone else who's going to work it out with you and, you, you know, you still hadn't addressed it. So you cover it up. And then when that next relation fail, you're, you're back at square one. Sometimes you got to get to the root of that problem. On why are you single? And if you are single for a reason of you hadn't find that right person, be ready for them. I find um, myself doing new hobbies like this podcast. I find myself um, telling myself daily affirmations, you know, telling myself that I am worthy. Because sometimes when you're single, you go into desperate phase of because this person is entertaining me. Maybe this is the shot. This is the one. This is the person. Because you're so tired of doing everything for yourself and occupying yourself with a million things of nothing. <laughs> um, so it's easy to get into that trap because I've been there. I'm like, oh, this is it. Yes. Tell my friends, girl. Yes, girl. He did this. He said that. You know what I'm saying? Yes, we talked today. We talked the next day. And then, boom, something happens. And then you're like, damn. <laughs> I just said your name. Like, what happened? You know? Maybe that's a sign that you're not ready for a relationship. Maybe that's a sign. Don't look at it as it failed. Look at it as you're preparing yourself for something better. God is preparing yourself for something better. And I had to learn that. I had to learn not to take a loss so personal due to the fact that I'm impatient. T.D. Jake said it best. Don't let your impatience um, revoke your promise. I think that's what he said. Maybe not verbatim, but you get the point. And I had to learn patience. Just because I thought that person was for me doesn't mean that that person is for me. You may have that feeling. You may have the checklist going on, but if it's for you, it'll work, boo. If it's for you, you don't have to force it. You don't have to remind that person of who you are because once they see you, they know who you are and they adjust on what they would have to do to keep you and I had to learn that the hard way I'm like no I'm tired of going through this dating phase and I'm just you know 
excited to see what's on the other side. But I'm not rushing it at this point. I used to rush it. I used to be like, man, hook me up. Do something, you know, like, let me go somewhere. Let me, you know, make myself available today. Make, put myself out there. Maybe they're not seeing me, but when the time is right, the earth will shift in, on your behalf. It will just happen. I am a strong believer of that. And it hadn't happened for me yet. But sometimes when you're doing the same thing, expecting different results, it's just, that is crazy. <laughs> you're not going to get anything different if you're doing the same thing. Maybe you should just take that. That'll be a sign for you to take more time for yourself and figure out what makes you you. Who are you other than your um your gold medals? Who are you other than what you do? Who are you? What makes you vulnerable? What makes you different? What makes you special? And if you don't know the answer to that, that may be another sign that you may need some time to yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people shift relationships from one person to another person to another person to fill a void that won't ever get filled. That's just what it is. <laughs> like you're waiting for um, this, this empty space to be filled with a different person, but the same devil. I had to learn that too. And I had to learn to reassess, not necessarily relive those bad experiences, but reassess on what happened and um, be more proactive on preventing that same thing from happening again. So living single isn't so bad. It's just an adventure on getting to know yourself on a different level, making sure that you're 100% ready for what, you, um, what you're hoping for what you are anticipating for. So, you know, I know if I come across anybody now, I know what I would tolerate and what I'm not going to tolerate because I am such, I'm on such a deep level with myself that I will be able to recognize it early. Like, hey, you're not there. You know, I'm not going to mess up what I already had, you know, had to build and rebuild and rebuild for a temporary fix. Living single in 2020 is quite interesting. Rejection is one of the most difficult things that I've ever had to deal with. I say rejection is in a category of loss. You know, how you feel when you lose someone or lose something. Rejection is pretty tough. Um, I never dealt with rejection um, like the average person. And what I mean by that is, I would always take it personal, no matter what it was or who it was. I personally fought with rejection because I just couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle rejection. Never could. Even as a child, I hated the feeling of being told no. Like, why? Why would you tell me no? And a part of that came from not being sure of self. Not being sure of self. When you are not sure of self, you can't handle rejection because you feel the need of being validated. It's that void that needs to be filled. It's that acceptance that you need because you don't even understand how to feel it. So you shift the responsibility to someone else. And that is why rejection is so hard. I think rejection is uh, a, a lot more tolerable when you understand the value of yourself and what you have to offer and you are confident in knowing that something better is coming someone better is coming but when you are laying all of your eggs in one basket 
rejection becomes more of a mirror that forces you to look inside and say, what do I have left to offer? Um, I remember, you know, when I was in school, when I was in nursing school and, you know, my first attempt was very unsuccessful. I was very unsuccessful with my, um, my first attempt because I didn't make it past the first semester. And that was a major rejection. That was like, what? I'm like, what? And then I couldn't get back in. I'm like, what? Too many C's? What? You know, I had a lot going on. I had just lost um, uh, my brother. And it was a lot going on. It was a lot of adjustments. I think I was 20 years old. And I remember that rejection. That feeling. That feeling of, am I even good enough? Will I ever be a nurse? Because I didn't know what I had to offer. I did not know what Brie had to offer. So I felt like everything else about me didn't matter because that rejection hit home for me. I questioned what I was supposed to be doing. I didn't say, hey, I know something else is going to work out. I didn't say that initially. I said, wow, I wasn't good enough, you know? And those are signs that you are unable to accept or process rejection. Um, It's not intended to be the easiest thing, but it's intended to develop character and develop awareness of value, you know? And at that moment, I went left because I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I've spent a majority of my life preparing for this moment. And now the moment is gone. I would resent everything about everything that happened. And I just was questioning self, like, who am I? What else am I capable of doing? Because if I failed at that, I'm fear. I have so much fear now that I will fail at something else. And I initially started to um, withdraw myself from trying. I, I initially felt like it's not even worth it. Let me just do something basic that I feel like I can complete. But the burning desire never left. And I, you know, with time, I was able to reprocess everything and say you know what I know what I have to offer without even being a nurse yet I know what I have to offer and I'm going to write that vision down and I'm going to make it plain and I'm going to speak it into the universe and I'm going to give it to God because I know that one day I will become a nurse and by the way I am one (laughs) so I had to develop character during that process of rejection it was hard It was hard because when you accept rejection, that means you have to move forward. And it's hard moving forward when you already experienced the most traumatic thing ever, which is a no or a closed door. It's very hard because the first thing you think about is how you failed before or how you was told no before. See, before rejection, you don't have anything to base your hope off of. It's just in hopes of you getting to what you want. You receiving that yes, that open door, that opportunity, that person. And then once you get that rejection, that's the only reference you have. Depending on, you know, what you what you referring it to. But that's all I had at the time. But I had to dig deep down inside myself and ask myself one day, Brie, why are you deserving to be a nurse? What makes you different from the other people who have attempted and given up and failed? And I I finally came up with the answer. I said, you know what? Because I know 
that I have a different style of nursing. I know that I'm capable of reaching people in a different way that others may overlook or may fail to do so. I, I know I have a way of of connecting with someone I, I've never met before. I know I have the, uh, the uh, ability to adapt to different styles, to different you know personalities. I know I have the ability to even empathize and not just hear a person, but really feel a person. And I started to soul search and I realized I had everything I needed to be a nurse. It just wasn't my time. So I had to focus on the things that I knew I, I could work on. Time management, stress management. Can I say that again for the people in the back? Stress management. When you are unable to cope with stress, everything you do is chaotic. Eventually, you hit a, a chaotic end. So I had time. And I, as time you know passed, I was able to gain my confidence and say, I know that I failed the first time in school, but I guarantee you when given the opportunity, I will get through it. And I did. It was a lot of hurdles. It was a lot of um, adversity, but that's expected with a new challenge. And I did it. And here I am. And I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I received that rejection. And I'm glad I had people who doubted me because I know now what I'm capable of doing. I needed that as more of a reference to prove and validate why I am who I am. I'm not saying I'm the best nurse in the world, but I'm saying I'm the best nurse, period. Okay. I'm, I don't know everything. So don't trust me with everything. But I know that if I put my mind to it, it's going to get done. I remember I was discussing with a friend of mine. I, I told her, I said, you know what? I might do that. I don't know. You think, I, you think I'll be able to do this? And she said, I don't know, but I know one thing. If you really put your mind to it, it'll be done. I said, ooh, that touched my soul. I needed that. I needed that reminder of who I, who I really am, okay? I needed that reminder. I'm like, you know what? I really can do it. I really can do it. And look what I've done. So with, with, with rejection, ugh, I'm stuttering, but it's fine. With rejection, um, it just makes you a better person to, in my perspective. I feel like it makes you a better person. It makes you fight harder because you want to see what's on the other side of that mountain. You know? And let's talk about rejection from people. Sometimes that is a little bit more difficult to deal with than an opportunity. I know when I work hard, eventually I will get rewarded for it. But I don't know if I treat this person um, right or if I put this person on a pedestal. I don't know if they are going to return the favor. I don't know that. See, with people, it's quite different. With, with opportunity, it's just you work hard, you get it. You know, in, in some cases I get there are circumstances that will, um, you know, prohibit you from fully exhi exhibiting that, that goal and that force and that momentum for that goal. But with people, whew, that's a whole nother subject, okay? Just because you treat a person good doesn't mean they are obligated to treat you good in return. That does not mean that. I think a lot of people get the golden rule, you know, they over um, interpret the uh, misinterpret the golden rule. The golden rule is do unto others as you wish that they would do unto you. But mind you, it's wish, not 
as they will, <laughs> as you wish. Although I'm good to you, I'm wishing that you will be good back to me. That doesn't um, solidify that you will. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that you're obligated to. And that becomes um, a headache for most people because it's like, I'm just going to turn into this person who don't give a fuck. Or I'm just going to turn into this person who, who just won't care about other people's feelings and will do what you did to me. Now you're changing your character because you wish that they would do good into you as well. Now you're a different person because of an experience that you willingly walked into. Rejection can help you blur the lines and it will cause you to be in the victim mode. You'll be in victim mode thinking everything went wrong because people did you wrong and it was wrong. Yes, you can't overlook what's right with what's wrong. You can't. But you have to be accountable and responsible for trusting the person in the right in the first place. So if you don't develop a better discerning spirit or discerning mind or, you know, just a careful way of guarding your heart, then that's on you. Eventually, you'll learn to stay away from people like that, meaning the ones who um, avoided giving you the um, good treatment in return. So. It's a price to pay with rejection, especially when it comes from people. But it's not um, something that you can't get through. It's something that you have to learn from and push through. I may have been a great uh, person to you. I may have given you everything that I could have. Advice, money, time, things that I can get back or can't. But at the end of the day, I put it like this. As long as I know that I had the uh, better intention than what was um, assumed or, you know, whatever you took it as, I'm okay with that. But I have a boundary on how I may allow myself to go out and do that again. You know, because the, the mind can only take but so much. So you can't just go around doing it. I'm not saying that everybody don't deserve a, a fair chance or a clean slate, but you, it's just totally up, um, up to you on how you're going to trust someone, especially if it's that same person. Just It's up to you. You take a chance every single day you wake up. But rejection is necessary. It's necessary because it it teaches you how to how how you should develop boundaries it teaches you um it reveals on how weak you are how strong you are and it gives you a a time to reflect on what you need to do next rejection is crucial but it's necessary it made me who i am today i um you know sometimes i do ponder the thought of why sometimes it's hard to accept rejection when you don't know the explanation on why it even happened but sometimes you don't need closure you just need to move forward some things you won't ever get closure on and it's okay because the most important rule of rejection is acceptance because once it happened it happened and you can't undo rejection no matter what you say no matter who did it and how it happened you can never undo rejection 
Once you are rejected, that's it. Even if they come back to you and say they changed their mind or they don't know what they were thinking, it still it came from somewhere. You have to accept it. But accept it in knowing that you have a value within yourself that will allow you to expect the next best thing and the next best thing will be yours. So for all of my listeners out there, I want you to um, reevaluate how you accept rejection. Think about the time that you were rejected, the time where it hurt the most. How did you cope with it? What did you learn about that? Not just knowing what that what happened. I don't want to know about the event, but I want. I'm interested in you being aware of how does that event that took place of re, of rejection. How does that explain your character? And are you happy with that? If not, then how are you going to? Um, improve and how are you going to mold yourself to be better from that because there will be more rejections rejections happen periodically throughout life but the goal is to never let it tear you apart it's to build you and always expecting something better hello everybody i hope all of you are being safe it's really difficult recording during the time like this with COVID-19 and even if you're not watching the news everywhere you go it's someone talking about corona um this is a really tough transition for America because this is worse than 9-11 in my opinion um 9-11 happened on one day it was a crisis and it was a one-day thing but COVID-19 it's it's been going on for over a month and counting. So I just wanted to speak on how how the effects of a crisis can um, reveal your strengths and weaknesses. Everybody's on lockdown in one way or another. Um, it's really hard for me to even be a nurse at this point in time because a part of me wants to be on the front line and be more helpful with those um, victims who are suffering with corona. Because once you come in contact with corona, you're like you're like a, a isolated person. You know, you can't have visitors. That's worse than cancer. You can't have visitors. Um, you have to pretty much suffer alone and die alone. Worst case scenario. Uh, we always saying you know how cancer sucks, but at least cancer is, you know, it's some type of relief of treatment. And with COVID-19, there's no treatment. But I noticed that um, my mind kind of went off on, on the left end when I was grocery shopping. And when I'm home, I'm just constantly thinking about the plans, the council plans, the, the what ifs, the, you know, the proactive thinking and then the uh, the worry thinking. And I realized that sometimes it takes a crisis to um, take the time out to appreciate more things. At one point, my mind was racing and then I finally had to tell myself to slow down and think about what are the things that you're grateful for. And that is a very hard thing to do when everything around you is 
is chaos and everything around you is falling apart. But sometimes you have to take a step back and say, what am I thankful for? And start from there. It's hard. It's sometimes cliche. It's like, I don't want to be thankful. I just want to be realistic. I want to, you know, be aware of my reality. But the reality is, if you don't have anything to hold on to during a crisis, then you're going to fade away with the crisis. And I truly believe that we are going to survive this crisis. Um, On one note, you you may say uh, thousands of people have died. And on another note, you may say a lot of families and people are now paying attention to the things that matter. Family time, quality time with your kids, quality time with your significant other, quality time with yourself, knowing that, hey, wow, I didn't know I could do this. And I didn't know I could balance making meals, you know, instead of going out to eat and, you know, worrying about complaining to a manager about the waitress or waiter. You're now your cook and your waiter, you know, just taking the time out to realize that you still have that touch that can make things work and can make things stretch. And um, I'm a Christian, so I'm a firm believer in the power of prayer. And daily, I just ask God to speak to me and help me see what he wants me to see, because at the end of the day, no, it's no amount of money that you have. It's not amount of power or position you have. That can stop this coronavirus. God has the whole world in his hands. And um, I'm just thankful for another day. Every day that I wake up, even though I sometimes, you know, um, feel like I'm being extra precautious at, at work because I, I work in the hospital and I'm supposed to be because I don't want to bring this home and I don't want to die alone, um, especially with Corona. But I am just thankful, just thankful that I'm not on the ventilator, just thankful that I'm not, you know, even without the corona, it's just all the things to be thankful for, you know? So I just try to have more gratitude and I'm learning patience and things doesn't always work on my plan or my time. I had to cancel flights, y'all. I had to, you know, reroute, rethink, and I'm still thinking and I'm still growing and I'm realizing that the things that we spend so much time um, seeking after aren't things that's going to fulfill us. And that hits home because sometimes that's all you know is write down the plan, plan, excuse me, and, you know, go after that, that goal, that job, that money, that relationship, that acceptance. But none of that. None of those factors can save you. Only God can. You know, I remember when I first became um, a licensed nurse, I seeked after a job and money and a certain this and a certain that. And I'm like, wow, the very thing that you can hustle for is the very thing that can be gone right before your eyes in a matter of seconds. So I challenge you to figure out what's most important. What is your fulfillment? What is your purpose? Is it something materialistic that can perish away? What is your real purpose? Who are you really trying to serve? The materialistic things or God? And I'm not, you know, trying to judge anyone who 
is a workaholic or may be goal-oriented, because I'm goal-oriented myself, but sometimes you have to look at the bigger picture on what am I going to, you know, fulfill in this lifetime while I have it? What is that dash in the middle from your birthday year to the date, the year that you die? What is that dash in the middle? What is it going to, um, what is it going to reflect? How is it going to be significant? And honestly, during this quarantine, I'm thinking about all of that stuff. I don't just want to seek out the things that I can count, things that I can, you know, just be proud of. But I just want to make sure that I'm living my life to my um, optimal potential. And I don't want to neglect that by chasing after a job or a relationship or a friendship or acceptance or status. I just want to make sure I'm, I'm on the right track to live a fulfilled life and make sure that I am fulfilling my purpose. I hope all of you stay safe. I know that this too shall pass. This is just a season. In the Bible, it speaks of seasons. As sure as it's going to rain, it's going to have sun. We're going to have sunshine. We're going to have rain. We're going to have snow, fall. It's going to be cold. It's going to be hot. It's going to feel good. We're, we're just going through a season. And when this season passed, I hope everyone remember the days that you had to, you know, work harder to be more grateful. And I hope this will show a lot more, a lot of people how to be more appreciative of the good days and making memories and fulfilling their purpose. I hope everyone is being safe and I can't wait to make another podcast after the corona. Just to say, I knew that it will soon be over.